This is the PR Podcast, a show about how public relations helps you tell your story to the world. We talk with great PR practitioners who have the skills, creativity, and just plain savvy to get their clients noticed. Now here's your host, Jody Fisher. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the PR Podcast. I'm Jody Fisher. Thanks for joining us. This is a special edition of the PR Podcast and one that I thought was really important, given what is happened and is happening in Ukraine, an unprovoked war started by Russia that has and is killing innocent people. We wanted to stop and appreciate what we as Americans largely, I think, take for granted in these situations. And that is the reporters and the photographers who are on the ground in war zones like Ukraine, bringing us the news coverage that we see every day. And it's the news coverage that we depend on to understand what is happening. You know, when we pick up the paper, we turn on the TV, we see a video on social media, whatever it is, whether it's bombs falling, whether it's firefights in the streets, or whether it's the people, the innocent people of Ukraine carrying their children and fleeing the violence, we have to remember that there are brave men and women of the press who are there on the ground doing their jobs to bring us the truth of what is happening. So I thought it would be best to turn to people I know who have done this. And I'm gonna, we're going to sit down now with a good friend of mine who has been there and done that. And this is a serious episode, my friends. So let's begin. Stephanie Gaskell is a journalist with 25 years of experience covering war and veterans, politics and policy. She's worked for the Associated Press, the New York Post and the New York Daily News, where she is reported from Iraq, Afghanistan, Guantanamo, Haiti, Brussels and the World Trade Center site after the terrorist attacks of 9-11. She was managing editor of Defense One, a division of Atlantic Media, editor of social media and digital development at Military Times, and she's covered the Pentagon for Politico. She also created and edited two popular web websites, Warzone and The War Report. She is a longtime friend of mine and someone I hold dear. We are honored by her willingness to join us and talk about her experiences covering war today. Stephanie, welcome to the PR Podcast. Thanks for having me. What a nice introduction. Well, it's all true. And, and uh, like I said, I, I hold you in high regard. You're, you're a good friend, but you're also an exceptional journalist. You have covered the military and war uh, for a lot of your career, what drew you to wanting to be a military reporter and, and put yourself into active war zones? I mean, for, for real, it was 9-11. I think 9-11 changed a lot of journalists. I, I, I was 30 years old when 9-11 happened. I had just turned 30. Um, now, I grew up in a military family. Um, my, I mean, I, I was born on a military base. My father was in the Air Force. Um, career. Uh, my grandfather fought in World War II. Just, it, I don't know, it felt very, very, very normal. And so I always knew that I understood this part of, of, of like geopolitics, you know, like I, I majored in political science. I did not major in journalism. I never took a journalism class in my life, not one in college. Um, I'm still really good friends with my um, college newspaper professor. So, you know, there's that, <laughs> but I just, I, I, I did um, poli sci and I thought that the world was a really interesting place. And of course I was in New York on 9-11 and that changed all of our lives. Jody, you know, that changed your life. It changed my life. It changed all, everything. Um, and I was uh, working for the Associated Press um, down at Ground Zero 
And I've, I truly felt like that was the war at that time. Um, even though we were going in like, you know, um, taking action in Afghanistan, which is where Osama bin Laden was. And we were, of course, finding, <laughs> searching for weapons of mass destruction in Iraq and all of that stuff that happened. Um, but it was happening. And I, um, uh, and, and here I was at, 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 in New York City, you know, where, where everything kind of, um, you know, started all of this off. So I felt it in my heart for the longest time. I mean, I stood on that pile. You know, I, I, I covered firefighter uh, funerals. Um, all of my colleagues, we all were, were changed that day. I mean, we were covering like city hall, you know, <laughs> politics and budget and, um, you know. And for people like who are unfamiliar, C city hall is like. It's like two spitting, blocks. Spitting yes. Yeah. To what the world, yeah. where the world no, I was with was AP and then. still is. Yeah, I was not, a, I didn't go to city hall until later to actually be in room nine. That was later. Because um, I was with AP, you know, after the um, terrorist attack. Uh, and then I went to um, City Hall and Greg Birnbaum hired me. And, but that still also felt very much like, um, you know, there was so much going on, um, you know, that had changed the world order. It changed DC, it changed a lot of, all the stories we were covering. Um, the 9-11 commission trials, you know, things like that that were going on. And it was wonderful. And I just, well, I just said it was wonderful, but it was one. It was a great place to be as a journalist. It was. It was everything was going on there, and and then you're looking at what was going on in Iraq, and I just kept saying I want to go, and I'm not even sure I even knew that I could do it. In fact, I I, I know I didn't know I could do it until I did it. You know, but I just I don't know. I just I wanted to go. I really, really wanted to go. And I asked my editors a lot. Uh, I want to go. Let me go. Let's go. It's a big story. There's things going on. I'll go even for a month, you know, even for a week. And then Anna Nicole Smith died. And that was in early 07. And I remember just the resources they put on that story, which is, is not a criticism because that's, you know, that's what a tabloid does. But I knew at that point that I wasn't going to go for the New York Post. I wasn't going to go. And so I just took what little money I had. I bought a helmet. I bought a black jacket <laughs> or Kevlar. And I bought a ticket to Kuwait. And I hooked up with the U.S. military. I got an embed. And I don't know how I did it, but I did it. And uh, uh, I went. But how did you, I mean, you, you tell the story so simply, like I bought a ticket and I just went and, and maybe that's very close to the truth, but I've got to believe knowing how smart you are and how street savvy you are, you didn't just jump on a plane. I mean, did you contact somebody to say, I mean, I'm going over, you need to hook me up with somebody? Yeah. How did that start? It's like, you can't prepare someone. You can't tell someone what to do when you get there. It doesn't work that way. Like I can tell you like, here, you need a fixer. Here's how to get to the airport in Bagram. Here's someone who will help you. Here's um, what you need to bring. Even the military, even as an embed, they would tell you what to bring and half of it was whatever. But like, even Chris Hondros couldn't tell me what to do or how to be, or how to like, 
navigate. I could, you know, I, you have to do it yourself. Let's pause for a moment and and pay tribute and and talk about who Chris Hondros oh, is and was. Man. Yeah, Chris was a good friend uh, who was a fantastic photographer. Period. Who spent a lot of time uh, overseas in war zones mm -hmm. and was sadly killed um, while doing his job overseas in Libya. Uh, he was in Libya. Yeah. And he and he covered uh, Africa a lot as well. A lot of people don't. Um, and his work in Africa was incredible and Pulitzer nominated. Who was Chris working for when he died? Getty. He's working for Getty Images. Okay. Yeah. And, and Tim Hetherington. They and, were together when they both they both died. It was a an RPG. And if you want to know who Chris Hondros was, just Google him. Chris H O N D R O S. Yeah. You will see some of the most amazing photos you've yeah. ever seen in your life. And you have to recognize what we, the way we started this conversation out, Stephanie, is that Chris put his life on the line and literally lost it doing mm -hmm. the job that he loved and bringing people the information that they needed to know about, about wars that were going on around the world. And Chris covered New York a lot, Jody, as you well know. I mean, he did all kinds of assignments, you know, just, I would go to, I was at city hall and he would show up for a, a, a press briefing, you know, with the governor, the mayor or the uh, transportation secretary, or, you know, he wasn't just, I mean, he was just a true, true, true journalist. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah. Hondros, um, I always call him Hondros. Yeah. Um, yeah. He gave me good advice. Um, he definitely opened doors. You And that's one thing you've got to do is like, uh, I've had other journalists ask me about opening doors for them, and I have. I have done that. Um, you can't just go there just blind, blind with no, you know, contacts. You, you just can't do that. I mean, you can't cover City Hall with no contacts, so you, therefore right. you can't cover a right. war with no contacts. All right, but you show up there on the yeah. on the airstrip. Um, I showed up in Kuwait. And then took a convoy to Iraq. Um, but again, this, and, and um, I want to make clear to a lot of people, and I imagine your listeners will, will probably know something about this, but, you know, these were em embeds, you know, I was hooked up with a military unit. Um, you know, they, uh, it's not like they were in charge of me or, you know, responsible for me living or dying or anything, but they certainly gave me, um, transport and you know uh areas to go and such to like you know here's here's a unit in you know baghdad go you can go hang out with them for a few days here's a unit here go. and then you have to really figure out why are they sending you to these units and not others and you have to kind of put your little thinking cap on of like what's going on and um where where are where is the fight and and one of the one of a hard, hard lesson I learned covering war was that the fight was where people were dying. And so you get into a little bit of that. Um, I hate to call it ambulance chasing, but it's true. You, you go where the, where the troops are dying because that's where the fight is and that's where you want to be. And that was, that was, that was weird. But if you weren't there, there's no point in being there.
That's that's very heavy stuff. And that's one of the questions <laughs> that I wanted to ask you is is sort of preparing to do that. I mean, you talked about, you know, buying a buying Kevlar and getting yeah. a plane ticket, but there's also the physical or the emotional preparation that you need to do um, to go in to get into that space um, and, and to stay healthy. Um, did you do anything to prepare physically or emotionally to go into a war zone? Um, physically, for sure. Completely. You cannot be stupid about this. I, I would run up, up the West side highway. I would try to do steps. Um, like there, there's, especially for, um, Afghanistan and, and I was in good shape. You, you can't, you can't go there. And like, you say, phys- you, you don't ask me about emotionally, <laughs> But physically, hell yes, you're gonna keep up with these guys. You wanna keep up with these guys? If they're running and they're carrying hundred pounds of gear. And if you're not keeping up with them, they don't want you there. You're dead weight. Um, I was in Iraq and we were, um, uh, I was with uh, 10th Mountain and we were crossing this like um, swamp. So we go through it and we have to like hold our gear up uh, over our heads. Like we're in, you know, like a movie and I'm thinking, oh my God, this is crazy. And then we get up the top, uh, sliding down all this mud and everything. And we get, we all get up and they all look at me and they said, we just wanted to see if you could do it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I believe then, it. You know, it's a true story. And then I thought, I, it, cause we could have walked around. I didn't know that. And, and, but it was good. And then, you know what, the, uh, you, then we were able to talk. There's like ice breaking like that. So that has to happen sometimes. So you talk about physical and, and mental and, oh yeah. And you're alone, you know, as a journalist, unless you have like maybe a team of a couple of people, I was there by myself. So that was right. You're, do, you're, you're with, I was just me. You're, you're with, you're embedded with a unit. But, but you're still not alone yeah. in the job that you're doing, yeah. right? I, I did mean, pictures, how everything. How does that affect you when you're doing that job? Really hard. Um, you feel at a lot of times um, you're just like, who's telling me the truth? Who's not? Am I in the right place? Am I? It was. It, it's hard to like um, have someone to just just talk through like what I'm doing. So you would you know, I, it's a, it's a mental issue. I mean, look, war is mental for everybody who's in it, for mothers, children, wives, you know, husbands, kids, um, civilians, um, soldiers, you know, everybody. It's not, it's not like your ideal, like we're all doing, let's have some yoga and a shake and we'll have, we'll have a good day. So in that, in that environment, is it possible to feel any form of safe or safety? Yes, oh, for sure, for sure. Especially when you're doing an embed. If you're embedded with U.S. troops, I mean, I felt very, very safe. I mean, I was with the Marines, I was with the Army. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, for sure. I mean, I'm not saying safe like nothing bad could happen, but um, there are a lot of service members who really, really respected what I was doing there and respected the fact that I was there. And talk to me. And, you know, a lot of it's off the record, which becomes difficult. But what I found is if you have enough off the record conversations, then you go and you take that on the record and you take that up the chain to the colonel, to the general, to whoever. 
And then you have a really legitimate thing to talk to them about. So I never, ever, um, I, I was always wanting to talk to the, like, to the soldiers, even though I couldn't quote them. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't quote them. I couldn't write their names down. But the more they talked to me, the more they gave me what I needed to go and then go talk to the people who are in charge. And I think that's true on a lot of beats. I mean, you talk to the teachers. If you cover education, you know, you talk to um, the cops if you're covering the police beat, right? You, it, it, There's a lot of things that really, really played a, a, a key role in me covering um, the fire department at 9-11 and working for Dave Seifman. I mean, my God, I, you know, that guy taught me so much. Don't believe anything you hear, nothing. You know, the union boss is lying to you. And then you get over and you're in a war zone and you, you find yourself using that same logic. You know, like, why is this Iraqi sheikh lying to me? And, and so that's the sort of one of the important questions is if, not, if you don't know which end is up, how do you go about doing your job? Given that you're, you're also operating in this sort of minute to minute environment. You just do the best you can, and it's never going to be perfect. And that's what a lot of times makes me mad about, um, you know, people who who think like every single thing should be reported. You know, why don't we know everything? <laughs> why don't you come over here and figure it out? There were days where I didn't know what was up or down or left or right. I didn't, you know, it's hard. And so I get... I really actually do get very, um, I take it personally when people want to criticize like war coverage or they want to criticize like, why don't we know every single thing? And also, by the way, the military has no obligation to tell you everything they're doing. They really don't. You know, I mean, you go into city hall and you say, well, I, I pay my taxes, right? So I need to know where this money is being spent, right? The $50 billion New York City budget and where it's all going, right? We have a right to know that. And we certainly have a right to know what's happening with our military because we pay the same taxes. I get that. But then we can't sit there and expect them to tell us everything that they're doing. It's called war for, it's for a reason. It's hell. War is hell. And war is fog. You don't know. So it's, you know, I, I, there are times when it just is like, I, I can't know everything. So you and ask I, me, how do you cover this? I don't, you, I think that you look, you look back at all these war reporters and I feel like every single one of them has done the best they could with what they had at the time. Well, and that's why I wanted to talk about this because I, I feel like it's so important because not only are these people putting their lives on the line as, as you did, um, but they're also operating under extremely adverse conditions where, as you explained, everybody's got, and we'll, we won't say that they're lying, but they're, yeah. they're telling their version of the story yeah. that they want to tell. And so, and it's your job to sift through it all and figure out what's, as you put it, what's up, what's down, what's left, what's right. Um, it, it's gotta be 
incredibly challenging because then you've also got to make sense of that. And then you've got to communicate back to your desk, wherever your desk is to file your story. How do you make sense of that? I've always said, well, I haven't always said this. Um, This is since I've gotten older. (laughs) Um, Journalism is not history. And I think a lot of people need to understand that journalism is not history. It is living and breathing. Journalism is a living, breathing thing that happens in our lives. And then we can all, you know, write history and figure it, figure out what really happened and all that. But I think people, I think a lot of people want journalism to be history. And that is not true. That is not true. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's what to, happened today. It's not, right. it's, what, it's not what for I all right time. Now. Yeah, like maybe there's five people dead in this burning building, but I don't know until they are done, but I'm going to report what I know. And then maybe there's only two. And then does that make me a liar? You know, like I, there's part of me that really makes me angry about people's expectations of someone who's just going up to a burning building to figure out what's going on, you know? Well, and there you hit the word there, people's expectations. Yeah. Because I do think that um, people who don't understand or appreciate what journalists do in any situation, whether it's a war reporter or, as you, or as you put it, right, right. Yeah. You know, you, whole, pe- yep, people don't, separate. people have an unrealistic expectation of what the job is and what the, um, maybe the wrong word, what the goal is, right? The right. goal is telling the thing you know today. Or this it's hour. Not, right. Right now. What I know right now is the following. My deadline is 5 p.m. Here's what I know. That's a hard world to live in sometimes. And then, you know, my deadline is this, and here's what I know. And it's the best, you know, it's the, here's what I've got. How did you so, go about filing? How did you go about filing stories when you're out uh, in the field? I mean, what, what the both both the like the mechanics of it, like do you yeah, call on a satellite okay, so phone the, or yeah, and, then, and also phone. and also the psychology of how do you put all this stuff together and get it back to the desk? Yeah, okay, that's really interesting because um, definitely a sat phone. Um, in Iraq, I had a sat phone and I was there as a freelancer. So I, 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 that was how a lot of my costs of even just going over there and people think I made tons of money and I did not, I did not No, no one makes money going to a war zone. So, um, communicating the sat phone, um, was super fun, but it would take like hours to get a signal. Sometimes you get it right away. And one of the things in my life, and remember, I haven't been in a war zone in quite some time. And so I do appreciate you talking to me because I'm, you know, I, I, this is in my review window as much as I would love to go to Ukraine right now. I really would. There's a lot in me that says, let's go, but I'm not. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you, you learn this sense of patience that you would never knew you had um, just like you, you have to get that cell phone that, I mean, that a uh, sat phone going and you do it and, you, and it has to face a certain way. Um, you know, it has to face like to the North and then you have to do this and do that. And sometimes you're not with a unit that even has that capability. You've got to take notes. Even when you're tired, you have to transcribe. Transcribing when you're absolutely exhausted is so hard. 
Um, and, and, and I learned when I was in Iraq for almost six months, I, I learned that I needed days off to transcribe. And even sometimes days off to just breathe, read a book, read a book, get my mind off of it. But then you call back to your, um, to your editors and these poor people, they're, they're the same way. You know what I mean? They're like trying to get the paper out and there's probably like a, a murder or a, whoever said what on Capitol Hill and what's the front page. And they've been in three meetings all day. And then you're calling from Iraq or Afghanistan. You're like, well, I've got this story, but I don't know. And then you don't know and they don't know. And you know what I mean? Like it's super disconnected. It was very difficult. There was one time when I, I did call and they put me on hold and I was so angry. I was like, I'm calling from Afghanistan and you are putting me on hold. But you know what newsrooms are like. I'm sure, that, you know what I mean? Like, I know what newsrooms are like, yeah. but I still wouldn't put someone from Afghanistan I know, Afghanistan but it happened. Hold. It happened. <laughs> and I was just like, how dare you put me on hold? But then, you know, they've got a whole paper to put out, you know? You're describing, um, and, and I'm, I'm fascinated and, and emotionally entwined in what you're telling uh, me and telling us. Um, what I'm hearing is that much of what goes on in the form of war reporting is not as simple as the story that is in front of your face, that there is an awful lot of um, deciphering what is happening around you. Am I getting that right? Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like I knew how to sell a story. What's the lead? What's the headline? What happened? Do you have photos? You know, who are your sources? What, you know, it, it, it's, it's like, what have you got? What have you got? You know, and I remember my editors always saying, what you got, what you got, what you got, you know? And, and I could tell some sort of great story because everything that I encountered there was so interesting, but it didn't mean that it was a story. I could tell you all kinds of interesting stories, but I, I felt like, you know, if someone wasn't dying, they didn't want to hear about it. Or if it wasn't tragic or horrible or the worst thing ever. I, and I, and I even had Marines tell me you are, um, you're being reckless. Like you're now chasing the war and you can't do that. You, you know, you need to like go home and take a break, you know, like just breathe. And all I wanted to do was just like get that one story where like everybody died and that is not a goal in life. How long do you stay out in the field? I mean, how do you know when it's time to go home? Okay, um, when you, as we talked about Chris Hondros, he was um, really, really angry with me for staying there for so long. He said, you can't do it. It's not, you can't do that. Now you're gonna look at like World War One, World War Two and all these wars, because the journalists were like there, you know, but I could have left any, any day I wanted. I mean, Iraq, Afghanistan, fly, fly out of Kuwait, fly out of uh, Kabul, you know, I mean, even now, if someone was going to Kiev, that, you know, you, you know, like, you can figure out Poland and, Bel you know, or whatever country, you can figure it out, you know, and, you know, obviously back in the day, you would go to war and it would be a long, long time. But no, I could have left. And uh, I remember Hondros telling me, like, you're, this is not healthy for you. 
but I was, I wanted my story. You know, I want, I, I couldn't, it, you just, the it, and the soldiers will, soldiers will probably tell you the same thing too. You want the fight, right? That's why you're there. As you watch what's going on in Ukraine and you talked about how you have this, this kind of pull to want to be there yourself, um, what are you thinking about when you see the news coverage, knowing what those reporters and photographers need to be doing to get be getting those stories? What's running through your mind? Well, I, I got to imagine you're putting yourself in their shoes. I have friends over there right now. Yeah, for sure. Of course. Um, I've even ha you know, I've had friends who... Um, if you want the truth, I've had friends who have uh, reached out to me, uh, you know, as, as a longtime journalist um, for contacts for uh, selling their stories because they're over there and it's hard. It's hard work, you know, unless you're really with like AP writers, you know, um, doing, doing something like that. If you go over there and you're with either a small outlet or you're a freelancer, it's super hard. So I, I have had a couple of friends like, you know, say, give me your editor contacts, which of course I did immediately. Like my friend is in Ukraine. Please hire this person, you know, please hire, you know, please take their work, please take their photos, their words, their whatever, you know, um, so I'm always happy to do that, but yeah, that I, and then, then yeah, I'm sitting there and, uh, do I want to be there? Sure. But am I going to? No. Oh, it's, it, it is, it, it is such a weird, and my husband's a veteran, as you well know, you know, my husband, and he did two tours in Afghanistan and the two of us knew, have talked about this. Um, that, you know, there is, you know, uh, there's different ways to live your life, but I, I've got to tell you, being in a war zone is something that will change your life forever. And then you look at these reporters and you look at how so much misinformation is out there. And, 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 and this is not um, like Iraq and Afghanistan at all. You know, there were embeds going on there. And I'm not, I'm not defending embeds because there was a lot of controversy about being embedded as a reporter. You know, they, I'm not saying that that was like the best way to cover a war. And like Chris Hondros, can we say his name one more time? Um, he was not always embedded when he was in Iraq and Afghanistan. He went with the locals, he got fixers and he covered the war in a way that was like, a lot of these guys do. I did not. I did not do that. I, I don't think I could have. But, you know, the, this is like, you know, urban warfare on the streets of Kiev, you know, and, and uh, I can't imagine what it's like there right now. You know, you just don't know if it's left, like I said, up, down, left, right. You just don't know. Is it, are the shots coming from the north, from the sky, from, you know, I mean, what are these weapons? What are they doing? I don't know. It's hard for us to figure it out. I think we we owe a huge debt of gratitude to reporters like you, Steph, uh, and all the reporters and the photographers who are out there, like we started off this conversation yeah. saying that, you know, they, they put themselves at huge risk to cut through the fog, as you put it, 
to bring us information that we can rely on. And, and I feel that we owe them a huge debt of gratitude and we owe one to you. So thank you for doing the job that you did. Mm. Um, thank you to your husband as well for his service. Oh, he um, says hi. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. I did. You cannot mistake that. that I, I, he's sitting here. I did tell him to be quiet, but um, <laughs> yeah, no. And look, this is why we do what we do is because we want to do, we want to tell stories, right? We want to uh, witness history and we want to tell stories and we want to make a change in the world, whether it's like I said earlier, like just covering a school board meeting and changing the course of your elementary school and figuring that out. That is important. Local journalism is important. And then you take it all the way to the other end with like a combat zone reporting. And that's important too. And I think the same skills really apply. And I think they're, it's all very important. And I wish that we would all have a little more respect for um, not the pundits and not the people who are trying to you know, be left, right, whatever you know just just the actual people out on the streets you know remember when i used to come to the uss intrepid and and meet you and you would we would tell stories about the intrepid and that was simple but it was important and so the importance of, of storytelling is is really the message i want to get no matter how you're doing it and yes um these journalists they uh, uh, can i say one more thing <laughs> they deserve your clicks they deserve your subscription. You must pay them. Stop acting like news is for free. It is not, and it makes me angry all the time. Support the guy that's, or the girl that's in Ukraine right now because they need to get paid. Perfect place to end that conversation. Yeah. Stephanie, news thank you. Yeah, news thank is not you. free. Every American yeah. should have at least one newspaper subscription. I don't care what it's to. Yeah. Pay, you, you want the information, you got to pay for it. Yeah. And that, that's how you get good information. Yep. You pay people to do that job. Yeah. Steph, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, please, if people are interested, if people are interested in your work, um, how can they find it uh, uh, online and click on it or pay for it? I'm, I'm so semi-retired, Jody, you know that, but um, it's Stephanie Gaskell. I'm on Facebook. That's really where I, Facebook is really where I share my thoughts about the world. I, I try to keep off of, uh, keep my life separate from that, but Facebook, um, Stephanie Gaskell. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thanks again, Stephanie. Thank and you, Thank Julie. you, everyone. Thanks everyone for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the show and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the PR podcast. Send us a question or a comment. Our intro is by Christopher Apple. You can find him and his fantastic photography on Instagram at Christopher underscore A-P-P-O-L-D-T. Check him out there and hire him for all your photography needs. You can find me online at Jody Fisher on all the socials and on the web at jodyfisherpr.com. We'll see you next time on the PR podcast. <laughs>